Amen. You all ready? Let's pray and get get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for utterance. I thank you for the anointing. Father, I ask that you give each individual here a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know and experience what is your the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believes, Father. I thank you for making it rhema for each individual, speaking to each person here, uh, and, and giving us what we need uh, to make course corrections so that we can experience all the riches on our life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off in Matthew 8. We looked at these uh, stories a little bit last week. Um, and the week before, but I think they're important enough to read them again. Matthew 8 and verse 5. Is that all right if we go back again? You know, because the longer I go on with God, uh, you know, we have this conversation with me and God have this quite a bit. Well, God, I already know that. And then He says, well, knowing and doing is two different things. And, uh, (laughs) okay. So let's look at this again. Matthew 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, that there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed from a man under authority, having soldiers and under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled, and he said unto them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have found, not found, so great faith, no, not in Israel. Then he admonishes his disciples, and then go down to verse 13, because then he turns back to the centurion, and he says, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. Who was in the driver's seat? The centurion is however the centurion believed. If the centurion didn't believe, guess what? The servant would have gotten healed. Wouldn't have happened. The next line would have been, the servant didn't get healed. But he did believe, and he was in the driver's seat. See, so many times we think that it's Jesus is the one, God's the one. Well, God, you know, you should do it. You know, I know you're able to do it. How come you didn't do it? Well, look over in the next uh, chapter 9 here, Matthew. That'll answer that question. In verse 27, it's just across the page. It says, And Jesus departed thence, and two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Now, right there, that's where most people in the body of Christ, that's where everybody believes that God's able. But they don't believe, yeah, for me it'll happen. Yeah, God can do it if he wanted to. Yeah, I know God's able. But see, then what happens is we just cut it off right there, and we're not sure that he wants to do it for us or not. Right? And he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, in verse 29, be it unto you. And, and straightway their eyes were open. Now, who, according to whose faith? Their faith. So if they didn't believe, then their eyes wouldn't have been open. Jesus could have touched them all day long and their eyes wouldn't have been open. Now flip over to Mark 6 and I'll show you. And all know Jesus could do it. See, here's the thing is, God's able to do it, but he's handcuffed by whether you believe him or you don't believe him. Whether you have faith or you don't have faith. Whether you will it or you don't will it. Jesus is handcuffed? Yeah. Because look at this story in Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. Now here's Jesus. He's going home after he's been out on the, uh, you know, the miracle trail there for a little while. And uh, so he's going back to Nazareth. And it says, and he went home. I guess it was Thanksgiving, you know. And uh, he went home and thence and he came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. So now he's got a little entourage coming home. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. So he went to church and started teaching at, at his home church where he grew up. 
And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So they knew that he was out doing mighty works. And then they said this, Is this not the carpenter's son? Son of Mary? You know, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Are, are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. I used to change your diapers in the nursery. Now you're going to come up here and teach? I don't think so. We've been in this church a long time. I don't know who you think you are. I'll give you your come up, young man. It said, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. Y'all ever try to minister the word to somebody in your own family? How'd that work out? Not too good. Well, if Jesus had a problem with it, are we above the Master? No, so don't stress over that, okay? Just pray that God will send somebody else across their path. And in verse 5 it said, He he didn't want to do. Is that what it says? He could there do no mighty work. He couldn't do it. Jesus couldn't do it? Nope. He couldn't do any mighty works there. Save a few sick folks that He laid His hands on and healed them. And He marveled. He was shocked because of their unbelief. So, Again, who was in the driver's seat? These people could have all got healed. They could have done mighty works could have happened there, but they didn't believe him. So, according to your own faith, be it unto you. However, you believe, be it unto you. And if you don't believe, it'll be unto you too. You see, this is that Jesus, he couldn't do anything. That's what the word says. That he couldn't. So, if we're not getting something done in our life, if we're not seeing victory, then we should take inventory and find out where it is that we've misfired. Because I know that God's able. I know that He wants to. And right here it says, if it's not getting done, if Jesus can't do it, it's on my end. That I'm not believing it somewhere. My faith is off a little bit. Right? And that was, so we all, okay, so go to the uh, first slide with me here, uh, Elizabeth. So this is where we start, uh, kind of started off last week. It's Romans 4 and verse 16. Because we're going to talk about, we've been talking about having little faith or weak faith. You know, because you we do believe, but then we get into unbelief. Remember that story from last week where the, the dad said, you know, can you help my son? And Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. He said, I do believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, I've been in that spot. Well, I believe it, because otherwise, why would I even come to church? We've got to have some kind of faith. But I'm not here because, you know, we had nowhere else to go. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff to do on Sunday morning, like sleep in. Isn't there? So we do believe, so, but help my unbelief. So here we go in Romans 4 and verse 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Say, that's me. And not only to them which is of the law, but them which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That's us. We're not there by the law, we're by faith. As it is written in verse 17, I've made thee a father of many nations before him who believed, even God. Now it tells us two things about God. He quickens the dead and he calls those things that be not as though they were. Now, we're not going to get into that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It said, Who hope, oh, against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Okay, now, Kimmy told me I didn't give credit last week, but I told her she was up in, the, uh, up in Children's Church. She's the one that, uh, she highlighted that for me two weeks ago. She said, look, it says it right here. He believed according to that which was spoken. That's rhema, which we know faith comes from rhema, the spoken word. And you look in the Word, 
Anywhere that we see that people had faith, it came from the voice of God, the spoken word of God. It's what they spoke. Abraham just didn't dream up, I'm going to be the father of many nations. He's just walking around. That'll be cool. I know I'll be father of many nations. I'll put my faith out there for that. Did, did you see that? He just doesn't dream up what he's going to have faith for. He had faith for whatever God spoke to him. Hey, I'll make you father of many nations. Now look, that's big. Abraham probably wouldn't have thought of that one. Would, would you? I wouldn't have thought that big. God thinks bigger for you than you think for you. So it's probably better that you go with his plan anyway than whatever yours is that you're going to put your faith out there, quote-unquote, for. Let's find out what he speaks to us and go with that one. That's a pretty big deal. Go to the next one, Elizabeth. And Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own. And then I just put in parentheses what he didn't consider. And really you could just put it at the end in your Bible, circumstances. Because he didn't consider his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the the deadness of Sarah's womb. What he didn't consider was his circumstances. So we saw this, that being weak in faith, how do, you be, how do you not be weak in faith? Is consider not. If you are weak in faith, what you'll do is consider your circumstances. Now, consider doesn't mean we don't recognize the circumstances. It means we don't mull them over. Consider means you ruminate on it. You just let it run over and over and just let that thing run and run. Remember thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. You're going to keep, that, keep your circumstances running. It'll make you weak in faith. And think about it in your own life. Whenever you started thinking about whatever it is, it's, you know, whatever your problem is up against, the more you think about it, the weaker in faith you get, the less you start believing. Oh, you know, now we're into this, I know God's able, but I don't see it happening. Y'all ever been in that, that spot? I've been there. But why? Because I'm considering my circumstances. All I'm doing is looking at what the circumstances rolling them over, over and over again. We don't want to do that. He said, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God. How I many know that was a pretty big promise? Actually, when we remember from the El Shaddai series, we saw that he did stagger at it for 24 years and 9 months. I don't know how I'm going to be father of many nations. When he finally did believe God, within 3 months of that, he had Isaac on the way. Now, you know, God's plans are so big, sometimes you'll stagger at them when you find out what they are. That's why he gives them to you a little bit at a time. Because you'll stagger at it. Whoa. Y'all ever... Yeah, uh... Where um, I'm looking at this piece of exercise equipment, it's called the range of motion, where it's a $15,000 piece of gear that like uh, all these movie stars use. You know, I love it. You know what? It supposedly gives you 45 minutes of aerobics, 30 minutes of weight training, and 20 minutes of stretching in four minutes. <laughs> now I know everyone's oh that ain't right. but they got scientific studies at the University of California, Southern California. They have a, I mean, there's kind of what did you guys just do when I told you that? You staggered at it. You're like, nah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. But see, okay, it's so great of a claim that you'll stagger at it. Because did, did everybody went, what? Because that's what everybody does. Four minutes? Oh, right, yeah. Huh? But that's what we do with God. When He tells us what His plan is for us, we'll stagger at it. Did you believe me when I said that? Do you, and even right now. We don't really believe that, do you? No. See, when I said, you're like, that, no conventional wisdom, there's no way that that's working. I mean, no, God, you'll do the same thing. No way that that's working. Conventional wisdom, that's what Abraham did. Conventional wisdom, you know, I'm 100. Sarah's 90. Hello, her biological clock is unwound and done. Right? Conventional wisdom, Abraham, stay out of the mushrooms. I mean, that's what's going, right? But he finally got to the point where he didn't stagger at it. That was when he got strong in faith, when he was strong in faith when he didn't stagger. 
Now, weak in faith, you'll consider the circumstances. Then what will happen is you'll stagger at whatever God told you is so big that you can't get your mind around it, and then you'll, your, your mind will start tracking right back over to your circumstances and it will keep you weak in faith and you won't get victory. Will you survive? Yep. It won't be fun, though. Little faith. Turn over here to Matthew 8. Well, I know we were just there, but there's another story in Matthew 8. We all know this story, too. But I want you to see that what Jesus said to him was, you had little faith. Verse 18 of Matthew 8. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment. What's that? Rhema. Remember? Commandments are rhema. They're spoken. Do you all remember that? From a couple weeks ago? Commandment. He gave commandment. He gave rhema to depart to the other side. Now, if Jesus says, we're going to the other side, you know, he ain't planning on dying in between. Is he? No. So he told him that. Then a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee wherever I go, wherever you go. And he said, yeah, foxes have holes, birds have uh, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another disciple said unto the Lord, Suffer me first to go home and bury my father. And Jesus said, Yeah, follow me, let the dead bury your dead. And then he entered the ship. So they had a little bit. He said, Let's go. And then some other stuff happened. Did you see that? He told the disciples, Let's go. Then he got sidetracked with a couple conversations. Okay? Now I'm sure they lasted more than the 30 seconds it took us to read it. They just wrote down the important part. Okay? It was the cliff notes. So in verse 23, and then he was entered into a ship and his disciples followed. They got on his boat. Did you see that? Okay. Now Jesus is in the boat, and he said we're going to the other side. Don't you think we're going to make it? You would think we're going to make it. But behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Now, they're not in the North Atlantic. You know, the great catch, you know, what is that, the big catch thing, whatever, the, on Discovery Channel, where those guys, the storm, you ever seen that? Yeah. They're not there. They're in the Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. It's only eight miles long. And why? Hey, that's as big as it is. Okay, so it can't be that huge. All right? But so in so much the ship was covered with waves. So waves are coming and they're bailing. It couldn't have been that bad because what's the next thing it says? That Jesus was what? Asleep. He's not a sailor. He's a carpenter. It's not like he's an old hand at sailing. If the carpenter is sleeping, why are you all sweating this? Okay? But the disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us because we're perishing. We die. He woke up and he said, Why are you fearful, ye of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? They had victory, but it wasn't really, was it? They survived. However, they weren't feeling too good about themselves on that one. Boy, we handled that one pretty good. Yeah. Did they? No, they had little faith because they were looking at the storm. They considered the storm and they're bailing. What do we do? What? Uh, uh, help! Y'all have been there? Little faith. See, I don't want to be there because I don't want to just survive stuff. I want to win. And, and win good. I want to win pretty. You know, like a shutout. Slam them, you know, run up the points on them. Embarrass them. Don't you? I don't want to, you know, in double overtime. Now, if we have to win in double overtime, that's great. But that's not what we're shooting for, is it? No. All right. So, flip back over to Matthew 6 real quick. I think we're about done with that. No, actually, I think I put the Matthew 6 up there. Go to the next one. There you go. So, 
Matthew 6, because we started here last week. Verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust or rust or... Yeah. It doesn't corrupt and break through and steal. Oh, this King James gets me after a while. Okay. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Then look at this. It says, For the light of the body is the eye, and therefore if your eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. And that's really the word eye is vision. So you remember we were talking about this... We don't want to consider our circumstances because we have single vision. We're going to look at God. We're going to look at our covenant. We're going to look at what Jesus said. I'm going to look at the rhema that He gave me. If I'm focused on that and not all this, it'll help me be strong in faith. Now jump down here to uh, verse... Just uh, go a couple more. Yeah, back up one. 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, whatever you eat, whatever you shall drink, whatever you put on your body, Life is more than that. He says, don't take thought or don't consider all that stuff. Because what he's telling you is don't consider your circumstances. Life's bigger than your circumstances. Isn't it? Because whatever you're going through right now, 20 years from now, it won't even be a blip on your radar screen. You might remember it, but it won't have the same emotional impact, will it? Think about even five years ago, or even two months ago. Especially the way the news cycle is going, Right? you get over the emotional impact of stuff as a society, a culture. We get through the emotional impact of stuff pretty quick. Whatever the next story is. What's the next story? Mark Foley was really happy John Kerry messed up. Because now he's not on the front page anymore. John Kerry is. John Kerry's happy that, you know, somebody, you know, let uh, nuclear technical manuals up on the web. Because now they're not talking about him anymore. They're talking about the idiot that put up all the nuclear technical manuals on the web. They'll be happy, whoever that guy is on the high seat, will be happy when the next thing happens. They'll be ha- See, we, it's fact. Jesus, man, don't, life is more than your circumstances. Don't get caught up in that. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Say, uh-huh. Of course you are. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? Which of you? Can you? Which of Anybody? If you can, bottle it and sell it. You could make a bazillion dollars. If you could figure out how to make yourself taller by just thinking about it. Right? Thinner, stronger, better looking. Any of them. And why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow cast in the oven, make a fire, you know, burn your leaves outside, won't he how much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to be clothed with? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we gonna... See, because when you consider your circumstances, you'll start saying, what are we going to do? So Jesus said, don't take thought and then start saying this, because it's little faith. He says, for all these things the Gentiles do seek, for your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His covenant. And all these things will be added unto you. Remember, this is what we talked about last week, seeking first. A covenant kingdom seeking missile, right? We're right on it. We're not getting off it. Countermeasure. No, I'm right on target. I'm on it. First priority, seeking the kingdom and the covenant first. Then all this stuff follow. It'll be added to you. Now, don't assume that you're doing this at any point in time. 
Because at any point in time, and there are areas in every area of our life, there'll be an area where we're not seeking first. Some are more obvious than others, but we're, it's, it's progressive. Revelation is progressive, okay? Just like Jesus well, uh, uh, with Abraham and God. There we go. He didn't give him the whole thing at first. He told him, leave your country. Then I'll bless you. Then I'll give you a piece of property, and I'll bless you. Then he said, I'll make you father of many nations. How many know if he started out with father of many nations, uh, he would have staggered at that? Revelation's progressive. You following that? Same thing with seeking first the kingdom of God. You seek where you know. And as you go, then God will give you another area to seek in. So don't assume, well, I already know that and I'm doing that. Because we want to progressively seek more. I want all the areas of my life to be first. Now, last week we talked about, well, you know, me, and, and it was an obvious one when I was, what I was seeking first or I wasn't seeking first. There's a lot of other areas that aren't as obvious. Because then we'll start priding ourselves in and we'll take care of the obvious ones and then we'll be let the other ones go. If you're having little faith in any area, it's because you're not seeking in that area. See, you could, be, you could be strong in healing and weak in finances. You could be strong in relationships and weak in healing. You could be strong in finances and weak in healing and weak in relationships. Do you understand? Lots of areas in life that we should seek first in order to get all this stuff added to us so that we wouldn't be, have little faith. We want strong faith, don't we? Okay, so go back over to Haggai. I know it's just a couple pages back. Haggai. I want to take a couple minutes and go back. We, we, we looked at a little bit of this last week. I want to take some time and look through this. I don't want to just brush over it. Chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, or the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord. Now, it was 520 B.C., so let's say he took office in January of 520. It's the sixth month of his second reign, so now it's like 522 or something, right? And it's June the 1st. that help you? Okay, it's June 1st, 520 B.C. And here comes Haggai the prophet. And he said unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come that the time the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed and paneled and decorated houses? And this house, my house, lies in waste? Now therefore, said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, and you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earns wages, earns wages and puts them into a bag with holes. Sound familiar in anybody's life? Right? Now, back up to verse 2. He said, what, what's the cause of all this? It says this. This people say the time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. Now, we saw this last week that the Lord's house is what? Us. We are lively stones built upon each other to be fitly joined, fitly framed together into a spiritual house. We are the temple. Not just individuals. It says we're lively stones in 1 Peter 2. Now then, God dwelt in the temple he didn't dwell in us. He didn't dwell in people. He dwelt in the temple. And his house was laid to waste. He had nowhere to dwell. No place for glory. He's looking for that place to show up again now. And it's where a group of folks will come together and be fitly framed together and be built as lively stones to a spiritual house. Not running after their own stuff. Okay? 
It said this, the people said, well, now's not the time for that, Lord. You know, I've got to get my stuff first. When I get my act together, then I'll do stuff. You know, then, then I'll do that. You know, okay, God, but I got, I'm going to fight for survival on my own. You ever been there? I'm going to fight for survival for my stuff. I don't know how I could do, build the Lord's house. I'm, I'm, but when? So when is the time? Is it? All right, turn to uh, Hebrews 10 and hold your finger right there so you don't lose Haggai. Hebrews 10. So, you know, we're looking at strong faith, right? We want to, Because our faith is our victory, isn't it? Hebrews 10.38 Because if you're in a fight for survival... See, this goes against all conventional wisdom. Because conventional wisdom is you gather your wagons, you circle your wagons, and you get your stuff taken care of before you do anything else, right? Take care of number one. You ever heard that? Hebrews 10.38 says, When you get that together, then you shall live by faith. Is that what it says? When, when, do, when, do, when do the just, the covenant people, live by faith? Now. Now the just live by faith. Now. But if any man draw back, oh, don't circle your wagons. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So, when should we be building? When should we be doing God's stuff? Now, if you want your faith to work, see if you're having an area in your life where faith ain't working for you, take inventory. Am I doing God's stuff in this area? Am I putting the kingdom first? Am I building His house, doing what His agenda is? If you don't have time for that right now then don't waste your time with faith either because your faith isn't going to work. Oh, we don't like to hear that. But I'm going to save you a lot of aggravation because look, all you're going to be is frustrated if you try and do this faith stuff because we've been taught tidbits of it. We haven't been taught the whole thing. We're not, oh, you have what you say, right? Make your confessions. We've been taught that. You know, we, we haven't really been taught the rhema. We're starting to get a hold of that, that we don't have faith till God tells us. I mean, if you're not doing God's stuff first, your faith can't work. Because, oh, well, it's not time for that now, Lord. When is faith? Faith's now. It is time for that. And your stuff won't work. If you found yourself in Haggai where you're, you know, sowing and reaping is not offerings and tithes. They weren't given offerings and tithes. That was their business. They were farmers. If you're in your business and you're doing a lot of work and you're not seeing any return on it, red flag. There's not enough food in your cabinets for everybody. Red flag. You don't have enough winter clothes or summer clothes or whatever. Come, you know, it gets kind of bare. I'm wearing the same stuff all the time. Red flag. If you are working your butt off for somebody else and your paycheck, it seems like it's going into a hole, a bag with holes in it. Red flag. Am I doing now? Live by faith. Am I doing God's stuff? Or am I doing my stuff? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Because if we're not, then you're going to find yourself in this spot, and you're not. Your faith can't work. So, why you're saying your confessions? If you're not going to do God's stuff first, don't say your confessions. They're a waste of time. They won't work. And then you'll wonder, God, how come this isn't working? Because it's all a hard issue. It's priorities. Priorities. All right, so let's keep reading verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Think about that. Then he said, go up to the mountains and bring in wood and build the house. Build my house and I'll take pleasure in it. And I'll be glorified, says the Lord. Then he tells them, you know, some stuff that's been happening in their life. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. You ever see a deal that's really good, and then it turns out to be nothing? 
And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Who, who blew on it? God did. I can't believe God would do that. Why would He do that? Well, He asked the question for us. He says, why? Says the Lord of hosts. He said, because my house is in waste and you run every man to your own house. My agenda is just laying waste, but you're all running to all your own agendas. I'm in that category. I've done that. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew. <clears throat> the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and the new wine, and the oil, and upon the ground which brings forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. You ever feel like you're laboring and laboring and working and then nothing? God said, well, here's a clue. It ain't going to come to nothing because my stuff is laying in waste and you're running to go do your stuff. Consider your ways, he said. So are we running to go do all our stuff? Do we even ask God, is this part of your plan? Well, God, how come my faith didn't work in that? I can't believe that happened. Well, did you ask Him before you jumped in there? The answer could be yes, but did you even give Him the respect of saying, God, should we go do this? On anything. Before I started running, you know, I started training and wanted to run a marathon. As much as my flesh didn't want to, I was, God, can I do this? Because I was afraid He's going to tell me no. something I wanted to do. But I knew I needed to run it by Him first or else it can't, it, there's nothing, I mean, it'll come to nothing. He said, yeah, you can go ahead and do it as long as it doesn't interfere with my stuff. His stuff. Okay, God. Because how many know there's going to be a lot of hours, there's a lot of hours put into that training for a marathon. That was my little hobby, my little sport. I asked him first, see, I'm injury free. I enjoy running. But how many know there's days where I just don't, yesterday I didn't get my running because I had too much other stuff to do to get ready for today. You know, okay, so that's out. Had I just forced that, something would have went south. Either this morning would have went south, my, I would have went, something would have went south. Do we even ask? God, uh, you know, run that by Him. Is it okay if I do this? Do we just have our own little plans? We just have our own little plans. And we're just going to go do them. And then we wonder why our stuff doesn't work out, because we're running to our stuff and His is laying in waste. We didn't even ask Him what His agenda is. Does that mean we're not in covenant? No, we're still in covenant. You're still, absolutely. However, you'll be on the survival end of it and not on the victory end of it because you're only going to be in little faith. Everybody following this? In verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, what they do? They obeyed the voice, bingo, rhema, whoop, 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 of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent before them, and the people did fear before the Lord, and then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying what? I am with you, says the Lord. Now we're on board. Whew, that's good. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and He stirred up the spirit of Joshua the high priest, and He stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did... What they do? Work in the house of the Lord their God. Verse 14, they did their work. Verse 15, and it was the fourth of the twentieth day 
of the sixth month in the second year of rain. June 24th. When did the word start coming? When did they start getting rhema? June 1st. 24 days. So they heard the rhema. They heard the rhema. They heard the rhema. They heard the rhema. For three weeks, now they come to the, now they're going to work. They made their adjustments. Did you see that? The, the rhema didn't change. It took them three weeks, and then three weeks they said, all right, their spirits were stirred up. Three weeks, yep, that's really God. Then they went and they started working on the house of the Lord. So, here we go. June 1st, they're all running to do their own stuff. And here comes the, you know, the smackdown. By June 24th, they've all changed and they're, and they're going to work on God's stuff. Did you see that? Okay. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month and the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord. So now, it's what? July 21st. Another month has gone by. They've been working for a month. How many know? That's pretty good. If you could do something for a month, you're doing all right, right? So they made God their priority for a month. So here comes the word of the Lord in verse 2. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. So apparently not all of them were working. Did you see that? Okay. Who is left among you? Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Who saw Solomon's temple? Anybody here? Remember Solomon's temple? Remember when we talked about the temple? Like $300 billion dollars. He said, and how do you see this one now? Is it in your eyes not a comparison of nothing? Now, that was like 70 years ago, so there had to be some old codger going, yeah, back in my day we had a real temple. This thing's a trailer. <laughs> okay, that's basically what's going on. And he says, and now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, the Lord said, and work, for I am with you, said the Lord of hosts. I know this is work. It's work to make God's stuff first. Work means it's a mental or a physical effort to try and accomplish a goal. You have to exert yourself. See, mostly Americans, work is a four-letter word that we don't like. I might as well just cuss you. Right? Not curse, cuss you. Right? Isn't it? Well, work, I don't want to do we're always looking for the easiest thing, the shortcut. Remember that, that four-minute exercise machine? You know why people will buy that? Because we're looking to get out of work. Why do we like the microwave? I love the microwave because I don't have to do as much work. You've seen those little robotic vacuums? There's a little round thing and it just goes from room to room. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't operate the way it's advertised, but people get it. They'll buy it for 800 bucks because they don't want to do any work. That, that's, our, that's our mentality, isn't it? It's bled over into the body of Christ. God said, I'm with you, but work. So I guess they started slacking off after a month because here comes God a month later and has to tell them again, work! Because what you're doing here, it's like a trailer compared to the last one, guys. Now, did you see this? Okay, so June 1st, they're running to all their stuff. See how this is progressive with God. He tells them, look, you've got to put my stuff first. Then they go to work after three weeks. Another month goes by and he says, this ain't good enough. How I many know if he started out with this ain't good enough? They're not doing anything. If God started out with, fix my temple. See, he didn't overwhelm them so they wouldn't stagger at this. See, it's progressive. He got them on this track. Then we get to there. Now, we're okay, we've made our adjustment. We're going to put God first. Then they start working. Then he says, you know what? This, one, this isn't quite good enough, so you need to do 
better. It's a progressive. He didn't start off with, you need to do better. He didn't have the standard here when they were over here. Did you see that? That's how God is. All right, verse 5. He said, according to the word that I've covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Fear not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations. And it says, the desire of all nations in the King James. In the Hebrew it says, the desirable things of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, said the Lord. The silver's mine, and the gold's mine, said the Lord of hosts. So why would they fear? They're probably fearing like, God, you want us to do the $3 billion temple, $300 billion temple. We ain't got nothing. What do we, we got like lumber from the wood. You're talking like gold. He said, don't fear, I'm with you. He said, it'll be a little while and I'll shake all the earth, the heavens and all the nations and all the desirable things of all the earth. All the silver, all the gold is mine. It'll come and I'll help you. Don't fear. See, because he gave them something to do. How many of you stagger at that? You just came out of 70 years of being in exile. You got nothing. You just now rebuilt your house. And God's telling you, stop running after your stuff. Come after mine. Oh, and by the way, now that you are working, what you're building is junk. I want the good one. But don't fear, because everybody would be like, I'd stagger at that. Oh, what are we supposed to use to get this gold-plated stuff? God said, don't worry. You work. I'll shake the heavens. I'll shake the earth. I'll move mountains for you, and and it'll show up. Do you see that? And then he said, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Said the Lord of hosts, in the place, in this place I'll give peace. And in the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, now it's September twenty fourth. We had a good summer, didn't we? They worked hard, they stayed on it, right for two months. So we're doing better. Because it was just like a month before. Now we got two months under our belt. Oh, what's God going to say now? Verse eleven. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, if one bear holy flesh in his skirt of his garment. Now see, what the priest would do when they would bring um, sacrifices and offering, they had like a butcher's apron. You ever seen that at the bylo or whatever? What they would do is that the guy would carry it and it was like a sanctified holy butcher's apron. I mean, what, you know, it was, it was priestly garments. They would put it in the, in the apron of the skirt and they would carry it from the butcher table to where they're going to offer it. Okay? So now it's holy, it's clean, I mean, you don't want cross-contamination. You don't put pork with the uh, beef in the skirt. You're like, what? No cross-contamination. It's holy meat. You know, you don't want it messing up, so it's got to be a clean apron. He said, if you have a clean apron and you got this holy flesh in the garment, he said, in the skirt, in your apron, it touches the bread or the pottage or the soup or the wine or the oil or any other meat, cross-contamination. Will all those things become holy? Just cause, Okay, you got holy you got well, just because you brushed up against it, will everything else become holy? And the priest said, no. And they said, well, what? Verse 13. Then Haggai said, well, if one is unclean because you touched a dead body, and then you touched any of these other things, will those things be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it'll be unclean. And then answered Haggai and said, So is this people and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and every work of your hands and everything that you offer me is unclean. Well, God, just don't quit. What does this guy want from me? Did you see that? We went from June 1st. Everybody's doing their own thing. Hey, your stuff is going, your wages are going into a bag with holes because I'm not first. So they all decided to work. 
on June 24th. They did a good month till June 21st. They showed up and God said, what you're doing is shoddy work. I need better. Don't fear, though. I'll have the building material show up, but do better effort. Two months goes by, and they're doing a better effort. But then what? Now God wants us to be holy. He's saying what we're doing is unclean. Now, I was thinking about that. I'm like, God, how can we put this in everyday language? Now, my toothbrush is holy. It's devoted to a single purpose. Remember what holy means? Devoted to a single purpose. My toothbrush is holy. Okay? If my toothbrush touched my hairbrush, would that make my hairbrush holy? What if I touched, you know, the silverware with it? Or I touched the microwave? Or I touched the kitchen table? Would it make any of those things clean? Now, so it's not infectious. Holiness isn't by accident. It doesn't spread and be infectious. Now, how many know, what if I put my toothbrush in the toilet? Did it make the toilet holy? <laughs> no, what happened to my toothbrush? It became what? Oh, yeah, it came. And now, what if I took my toothbrush and I went touching the silverware? Would it make the silverware holy? It would make it what? And I put it on the kitchen table. And what if I scrubbed out the microwave with my toothbrush after I dropped it in the toilet? The microwave would be unholy, wouldn't it? So, uncleanness is obviously infectious. Hello. It's infectious. No idea what that was. Do you follow what this story is, what he's asking the priest? Because what he's saying is, and he's saying, all your work that you're doing, it's unclean. And what you're offering me is unclean. It's not holy. Holy means that you're devoted to a single purpose. Holiness is patriotism. Holiness is whatever God's agenda is, that's now my agenda. Not a checklist. So we've thought that holiness is I don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or go out with those who do. It is a behavior checklist. It's not. Holiness is patriotism. Whatever God's plan is, whatever His agenda is, now it's mine. Do you all ever see the movie The Patriot? Those guys put everything on the line for the agenda of what? The country's freedom. Everything. Houses, lands, family. It all was after the fact. How many know that was a decision that they wrestled with? Do you remember the beginning of the movie? They wrestled with that decision. Mel Gibson said, no, I'm busy. I've got my family. I've got my stuff. I don't want to get into your political fight. Do you remember that? Then he went home and he got drug into it. Don't get drug into it. Make the choice up front. God, whatever your agenda is, that's what my agenda is going to be. I'm a patriot for you. I mean, that's not going to just happen because you know me. Or you know some preacher. Or you hold your Bible. Is holiness infectious? No, but uncleanness is. Unholiness is. I mean, you can rub up against somebody that, you know, dropped it. Would you ever use the toothbrush? Remember Seinfeld episode when he dropped the toothbrush in the toilet? Would you ever use that again? No. No. See, when we live lives, we rub up against people who are toothbrushes and stuff that are toothbrushes that fell in the toilet, and we don't do anything to, you know, cont- you know get the contaminations off of us. You see that? So, seek ye first. What Jesus is telling you is that I'm looking for somebody who's a patriot. Then all this stuff will be added to you. Your faith won't be little, it'll be big. Then you can win. Y'all following that? Look over in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Because the New Testament 
So Andrew's in the Old Testament. That don't pertain to us. All right. 1 Thessalonians 4. And verse 7. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 7. For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, that word in the Greek, uncleanness, is really impurity or contaminated or diluted. Diluted. Now, the Bible talks about gold tried by fire and being pure and all that. What, what that whole process is, is that you heat up the gold and it burns off the impurities or the contaminants, or whatever the dilution is of the gold, and it makes it more pure. Now let's break it down to today. I'm a cop, or was a cop, dealt with drug dealers. What drug dealers do is they'll take really pure heroin or cocaine, and they'll dilute it with, like, baking powder or sugar, and they'll try and cut it. Y'all ever seen that on TV? Well, it's impurities, and it'll kill people, but what they're trying to do is increase their profits by cutting it and diluting it down. It's unclean cocaine, if you will. It's unholy. It's impure. It's diluted. Same thing, there's, there's certain bars in town people won't go to because they water down their beer. You ever heard that? I know you don't have to testify which bars you ain't going to. But, but do you understand? But see, that's what we do with our lives. Jesus is calling us to holiness, not being diluted or polluted or cut. And when we aren't patriots, what will happen is we're doing all our, all this other stuff that's pulling on us. We, we don't even mean to do it. It happens just like the toothbrush falling in the toilet. I mean, no, my toothbrush would never volunteer to jump in the toilet. If I asked it. <clears throat> you want to go in the toilet? No! Do you, you understand? It, so this is where we think we're, yeah, I'm, and, and oh yeah, God, I'm putting you first. And then there's other stuff that comes in and it contaminates and pollutes us. Well, we're not even aware of it. What if, what if Jack dropped my toothbrush in the toilet and forgot to tell me and put it back in the drawer? I didn't know nothing about it. Oh, it tastes kind of like Santa flush. You understand? Now, my mouth's contaminated even if, I didn't know, even if you don't know about it. That's why you've got to be so on top of your game. No, I've set myself to where I'm a patriot. I'm going after whatever God's agenda is, not my agenda. Now we're back to, did you ask God, could you do this, could you do that, what about this, what about that? How much do we ask him about that stuff? He, if my kids, they wanted to go to a sleepover, chances are, if I know the kids and the family, I'll tell them, yes, you can. I mean, no, I'm not going to be real happy if they just leave the house and go do a sleepover without asking me. Then, if they get hurt while they're at the sleepover without asking me, what do they turn around and blame me? How come you let me go to that sleep? How come you, I got hurt that sleepover. You weren't protecting me. How come you did that, Daddy? I didn't know you were at the sleepover. You didn't ask me could you go to the sleepover. Right? Isn't that what we do with God? We go do whatever we want to do. We don't ask Him. Then we get hurt or something goes south. How could you let that happen? I didn't ask. You didn't ask me. The answer might have been yes, but if it was yes, then you could know that you have faith because I had rhema from God. Yeah, it's okay to do that. Now I can, I can use faith in that situation. If you didn't ask him and he didn't tell you yes, how could you have faith for anything? Can you? Because faith comes from rhema. So don't waste your time with all your little faith confessions unless you already heard from him. It will save you a whole lot of time and frustration. 
you're better off not using faith. Try to use faith at all. Because it's not real faith. It's fake faith. And it'll fail. And then you'll be confused. And then you'll ask God, why'd you let that happen to me? Did you even ask Him, could we do this? Verse 8. He therefore that despiseth, despises not man, but God, who's also given unto us His Holy Spirit. Remember what despise is? You deem something unworthy of your attention. If you deem unworthy of your attention, holiness, patriotism, God's agenda first, you could say, well, it's not worthy of my attention. He said, but you're not despising man. What you're doing is you're despising God. You're telling God you ain't worthy of my attention. Now we're back to I'm put, earning wages and it's going into a bag with holes. I'm sowing a lot and reaping a little. Because why? Because I don't deem his agenda worthy of my attention. Patriotism. Not a, not a checklist. God, I'll tell you guys this over. He doesn't care near as much about your behavior as what your heart is and if you believe him or not. And if you believe him, then you're going to do whatever he asks you to do and what his agenda is. Because if you believe him, you know he has bigger plans for you than you could have for you. And that he has only the best in mind for you. See, we don't really believe that when it comes crunch time. Oh, yeah, really? What if he told you, get up and move to Alaska? I want you to start a church there. Well, what's wrong with the Bahamas? <laughs> Do you understand? I'm just using that as an example. What if he told you to leave your great job and go run as a Democrat in the most Republican district in the country? You see what I'm saying? See, we, we say we believe it. Don't assume that you're doing it just because you know it. What's the next thing? But touching, as touching brotherly love, you don't need that I write unto you because you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do towards all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, to increase more and more. And look at this. And study to be quiet. Now what that actually says in the Hebrew is labor to enter into rest. Labor it sounds a lot like Hebrews 4, doesn't it? We which have believed to enter into rest. So you've got to study and work. Yeah, work. Remember that work? To get there? Sure you do. And to your own business. So they're telling you how to be holy. Study to enter into God's rest. Do your own business. Work with your own hands. Oh, again with work. As we commanded you that you may walk honestly towards them that are without or with, uh, that are unbelievers, and that you may have lack of nothing. It sounds a whole lot like seek first the kingdom of God and all this stuff will be added unto you. Holiness, patriotism, put my stuff first and you'll lack nothing. So if we lack anything in our lives, we've got to take inventory. In what area of my life am I not putting God first? What area of my life am I not being a patriot? What area of my life am I not seeking first the kingdom of God? And if you're having trouble in, an, in a certain area, it says tells you study to enter into that rest. So study. Now we're back to that faith production line. Start with the logos. Then we start. We don't consider our circumstances. We're going to have thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds of what God says. Then we worship, have the love relationship. Then He gives us raiment. Now we're in faith. Holiness, patriotism. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you are anywhere on that checklist where you're doing a whole lot of work and you're not seeing a lot of returns, you're bringing in paycheck after paycheck and it's just gone, just gone. You don't have enough, you're in lack. It says, well, 
it's because you left my stuff lying waste and you're running after your stuff. See, but this cuts against conventional wisdom. Because it's it really is work to go, I'm going to have to go do God's stuff. He said, you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. I mean, you know, all of us have a different part to play. You've got to get your, whatever God's business is for you, you've got to get it from Him. Rhema. You can't copy what somebody else's business is and expect anything to work. You, you understand? Just because it worked for somebody, whatever their little plan was, it might, that's not the plan for you. God made it special for you. You've got to find out from Him what your plan is for you. Right? Just because, you know, Amway worked for somebody real good doesn't mean it's for everybody. Do you, you understand? But they try to make it like that. Not just them, but every, any of those deals where anybody on those infomercials will tell you, yeah, this worked for me, whatever it is, real estate, whatever, foreclosures, judgment. Oh, it's worked for me, it could work for anybody. No. You've got to find out for you what God's plan is for you, and it'll work for you. See, every day I'm like, all right, God, Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit, teach me where I'm messing up. Show me where my mistakes are and show me what the next step is for me. I need to know what the next steps are, whatever it is. Whether it's hobbies, sports, job, what route you're going to take home from work. Because he'll warn you if you're not supposed to go down a certain road, he might even tell you not to go to work one day. Ask some of those guys that didn't show up to the Pentagon that are still alive today. Some folks in the World Trade Tower, for whatever reason, they didn't show up to work. I just, you know, you understand? When you put God first, all this other stuff will be taken care of. We've got to be patriots, though. How I many you know being a patriot, there's a lot of sacrifice involved in that on the front end? What, you know, if I cut all the cussing out, we'd sit here and watch that movie, The Patriot, for church one day. Just so you could understand the emotion of it and all the stuff that they had to get, what a patriot goes through. And that's what God is asking for us. That's what Jesus is saying to us. I didn't call you to unclean. I called you to holiness. I didn't call you to have everything else going on and do this and do that and pull here and pull there. and be. I called you to holiness. I called you to patriotism. Whatever my plan is, jump on that one. Then your faith will work. Everything else will be added under you. You'll lack nothing. See, especially in word churches, we've been taught to go after the stuff. Confess for my new car, confess for my house, confess for my healing, confess for... Yeah, I'm going to go after what God wants. And then all this stuff will be added to me. Yeah, it's, he put all the riches, honor, and life in here so we knew it was for us. Because I mean, there's tons of teaching that doesn't, they don't even acknowledge that. You can't hardly open this book and see where riches, honor, and life belongs to you. That's why he put it in there. We're not going after riches on our life. We're going after God. And because we do, then we get all the riches on our life. We don't do it backwards. We don't go after the stuff. We go after God. The kingdom, covenant, seeking missile. I acquire a target. I pursue my target. I'm not, I'm not going to let go of God, whatever He wants, wherever it leads me, wherever it takes me. No matter how much I think it's going to hurt me on the front end to do what God told me to do, Kimmy and I made that decision a long time ago. When we were kids, before we even got married, we'll do whatever God tells us to do. I mean, that makes it look stupid sometimes in the eyes of other people. So, makes me look good in front of God. 
Who's the one that's holding all the, all the benefits? Who's got the Benny package? All the things that don't want to be added to me? You, you know, if you got to suck up to somebody, who would you suck up to? God, that's a good one to get your brownie points. And it is work. It's work. It's not hard. It's not back-breaking. It's really all up in here. Between your ears, it's work. Then you've got to make yourself... Now I'm going to go set aside some time to go hear from God and find out what He wants, what His agenda is. So each day, even if it's on while you're driving to work, shut off the radio and the traffic. And God, what what is your agenda for today? I'm open for for you to lead me and God and just you know give me Rama on the fly. Let me know. I'm open for your agenda. Do we do that? Are we just rushing and we're doing a running to our it's running to our stuff? That's what we're doing. I'm late. I got you know I got obligations. We, got, we need to back off of that a little bit. Because really, what if you are late and you're going after God's agenda? What if you're late because you're going after God's agenda? And you don't you think He's going to take care of that stuff? He's obligated Himself to. What if you miss a run because you're going after God's agenda? I bet my run on Monday will be really twice as good. There have been nights where I knew I had to be up. I was up all night and I'd be, you know, God, I've got to sleep fast. Help this one hour be like eight hours. You know He will? Because when you take care of His stuff, He'll take care of yours. Every single time, man. Every time. Even if it don't look like it. Initially, people think you're stupid on some stuff. But don't worry, when you're lacking nothing, and they are, and they're asking you for a loan, it'll happen. Go after His stuff. You know, if you believe this, then you'll do it. If you don't believe it, I can't really help you with it. But if you take God at His Word, and if you really believe that the Bible's true, and you go after His stuff, then He will absolutely show up and fix your stuff. Yesterday, um, Kimmy took the kids to the mall. Caleb was going to go see Care Bears. Care Bears, Care Bears. So Kimmy took the digital camera, and they're going to get the kids some shoes. Somehow the camera got lost. We didn't realize it until I don't know what time it was. Seven o'clock at night. And he came home. It was like dinner time or something. Yeah. Right. Called a bunch of places. Whatever. Now, I mean, the old Andrew would have been like, "Ah, four hundred dollar camera, right? I hope you enjoyed your Care Bears thing." Blah blah blah. I didn't say nothing. Because why would I get mad at it? Is that going to break the camera back? So Drew says, hey, why don't we all pray together as a family before we start, you know, saying anything? All right? So we all gather around, we got hands, and we, you know, thank God for showing us where the camera was, whatever. Then we spoke to the camera. And because, you know, praying to the camera is not going to help nothing. <laughs> Speaking to the camera, telling it what I want, because whose camera is it? It's our camera. So as a camera, you will show up and present yourself to us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for showing us where it's at. That was the end of it. Went back to doing dinner and all that. I didn't say nothing. I didn't get flipped out. I really didn't care because I knew the camera was coming back. But you know, that was my faith because I made that decision on the front end and so did Drew and the whole family that we're going to get the camera back. Stressing over the camera. We're going after God's business so it's going to show up. So I guess uh, it was about 8.30 or whatever.
Kimmy just felt on the inside of called what was it, the food court? Lost and found or something? The mall. The mall. So she just called the mall office or whatever. Yeah, it was like 830. Oh, she goes, man, I just feel, you know, just on the inside call. Yeah, we got it. We'll be here till 930. She drove over there got the camera. It was taken care of within a matter of two or three hours. How many know we would have never found the camera again if out of our mouths were like, hope you enjoyed the Care Bear thing. You know, we lost the camera, $400 just going down the tubes. Blah, blah, blah. Right? People are like, well, I don't know. Well, go ahead. I'll tell you what. You lose your camera and then say that and see if you get it back or not. Pick anything you want and say, well, we just lost that. It's gone. See, this stuff matters, and it matters what your initial reaction is. What you, the more you have in here about what's yours is yours, it'll come out here. That's what that faith, great faith. I know I had confidence that we're not getting stolen from because I'm taking care of God's business. That's confidence that you can have when you're a patriot. If you're not doing holiness, you're kind of out there. You don't, you're in that, I know he's able, but why would he do it for me? Why would he do it for me? Because I'm doing what he told me to do and I'm doing his agenda. He better do it for me if he wants me to keep doing his agenda. You all understand? He has your back. But you've got to be on board with the agenda that he has. Not the one you're, whatever plan you're making up, and then put your quote, quote, faith out there for it, and then you wonder why it didn't work. Because the faith comes from Rhema. If you don't have any, amen. Stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside us this week and just help us bring it back to our remembrance. And Father, just, uh, you make the choice so clear for us. So Father, I choose, me and my household, we choose to go after God's agenda. Father, this church, we're going after your agenda, not ours. We're going to be patriots for the kingdom of heaven. Covenant, kingdom, seeking missiles. It's not what we want, it's what you want. And I thank you for your love and your tender care towards each individual here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.